0: Electric Liberty Land fans, there is so much more you can be getting through the Lions of Liberty Patreon, like Degenerate Gamblers, the weekly show I host, along with Melanie Friday's John Otterman, and the legend Rico, talking about old stories, current tragic mishaps, and, of course, gambling, plus our conspiracy corner shows and bonus interviews with guests across the Lions of Liberty spectrum, plus our secret pride group and video. Yes, we've got video. So join us, won't you, at patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty with your host, Brian McWilliams. Hey, 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 how's everybody's day? This is Brian McWilliams and this is Electric Liberty Land episode number 95. We are really getting up there. And yes, I have been doing some research into trying to get a real special guest for episode 100. Who knows if it's going to happen? You know, when people hear libertarian podcast, they typically don't spring out of their chairs. You know, if they're like a well-known celebrity, somebody in the, in the political sphere, it's the weirdest thing. It's like, they, uh, it's like they're worried that if they come on a show where they actually might be challenged from a libertarian perspective, that uh, they may not have the answers. I don't know what to tell you. But you know who does have the goddamn answers? This guy right here. I am literally doing double thumb finger guns right back at myself. So, hey, welcome to the program, guys. I am. Uh, I'm going to do something this episode, which uh, I haven't done in quite a while. And this was a a staple of the podcast back in the day when Mark had his show, and that was the only show going on on our uh, our network here, our one podcast feed network, but. Mark had his regular show, and I would go in, and we would do Rand Pauluses and Minuses. And uh, if you don't know what that is, well, you're in for for a treat. It's pretty obvious, I think. Pretty obvious. But let me just say, before we get into it, you can find all the show notes, including the links to all the stories I'm going to talk about at lionsofliberty.com forward slash ELL95. So, I'm not just going to talk about Rand today, but we might as well at least start off with it. Before we get into some other stories. So without further ado, Rand Pauluses and Minuses. Yes, Rand Pauluses and Minuses, everyone's favorite show where we break down the actions of Rand Paul, Senator, Firebrand, sometimes Trumpian, sometimes misbranded libertarian. So yes, we're gonna take a little break from our typically standard show. And go into some of the last, uh, I'd say probably the last two, three weeks of everything that's gone on with Rand Paul. Not a ton of stuff. There's about three, four things that I'm going to get into. And what we do is we take a look at Rand. I say we. I guess it's the Royal Weeks. I'm just doing this by myself. But I'm going to take a look at what Rand's done and give him a grade. If it's something that I liked, well, then he gets one of these. But if it's something I don't like, if it's something we libertarians would look at and shake our heads with a, a bit of a downturn to our smiles, well, then it gets a little bit of this. Uh, <laughs> I love that sound effect. It's hard to hear behind the, the, the sad, uh was it, tuba or the, I, know, I think it's like a tuba sound. Uh, look, I Look, I'm not a band guy, I'm not a band geek. I don't know, my tubas, from my trombones, from my uh, skin flutes. But behind that tuba noise, there is some broad that goes, Get out of here! <laughs> it's just the best. So anyway, let's get into some Rand pulses and Minuses. Huh? What do you say, guys? Let's do it. So first things first, I, I've gone through... Yeah, I can't remember. These are kind of chronological. But Rand's been talking about some interesting stuff. And he's been taking a very strong standpoint on a lot of issues where he is going head to head with Trump, which is good to see. Now, before I get into that, before I get into a lot of the stuff with Saudi Arabia and Yemen, I wanted to talk about the Steve Scalise shooting because that apparently had a little bit of cover-up aspect to it. And I didn't realize this. This is, this is something that was reported on uh, Fox and Friends when Rand Paul had gone on there and they're talking about the pushback that Rand and his wife are trying to lead to bring in civility. Once more, you know, fight back against the Cory Booker's and the, uh, the Nancy Pelosi's to push back against these people going and yelling at people in restaurants, which is just absolutely fucking ridiculous. And frankly, just on that note, if you're in a restaurant and you see somebody come in and start yelling at people in the restaurant, uh, fucking tell them to get the fuck out of there. Do that for me, OK? Because then I mean, really, even if I agree with somebody and oppose somebody's positions, like I oppose uh, virtually everything about Mitch McConnell. But I still think it's not right to go in and scream at the guy in a restaurant in someone's private place of business. That's fucked. Of course, these fucking cocksuckers go by during the middle of the fucking podcast. Not even editing that out. Side note, if you're one of these douche who's got a fucking loud muffler on your car, fuck you to death. Just add that in there. You got a big one of these, Mr. Jerkoff douche with a loud muffler. Absolutely obnoxious. Anyway, so Rand Paul had gone on Fox and Friends and he tried to clear a little bit of the uh, the background and tell a little tidbit which is pretty interesting regarding when this this psychotic nutball shot up the uh, the congressional softball game and almost killed Steve Scalise. And here's what Rand had to say. I was there at the ball field when Stephen Scalise almost died from a very, very angry, violent man who was incited by rhetoric on the left. And this hasn't been reported enough. When he came on the, onto the ball field with a semi-automatic weapon, firing some 200 shots, shooting five people, and also almost killing Steve Scalise, he was yelling, this is for health care. He also had a list of conservative legislators in his pocket that he was going to kill. Now, that is something you would have expected the media to report on, No. I mean, wouldn't you think that something like a guy yelling "This is for health care" after all of these Democrats are coming out and saying that to repeal or to attack anything about Obamacare is literally murdering people, and that if you're doing this, you must pay? Like you're the you're a demon, a devil from beyond the depths of hell, of hell itself. If you dare. To, to say that you have a dissenting opinion on health care, which Rand Paul does, and has made it very clear that he opposes Obamacare, that he's completely for having a doctor-patient relationship that is outside of insurance companies, and he actually details it in his book "Taking a Stand." Uh, and I and I bookmarked that. I went through and and read that whole book and, and <laughs> really bookmarked the shit out of it. Um, again, some stuff I like, some stuff I didn't like, but his stance on health care is sound. So it's no surprise when you've got this kind of rhetoric out there then you're going to incite people like this dude to go and and be a maniac and shoot people up because you have literally made it into a life-or-death proposition where this man feels like he's the hero in his own story. You know, his own psychotic fairy tale, a fuckhead man, he's going to come on the baseball field and shoot these people up. So I like that this is finally coming out. Meanwhile, the only people to report on this are Breitbart and and, and Fox News, obviously, where this took, took place in the first place. But it's just, it really is showing that... Rhetoric has consequences, and this is a direct result. I mean, there is a direct correlation here. You can't just claim that this guy is off his meds and that he's just, you know, well, he just did what he was going to do. No, he's literally parroting progressive talking points. So I like that. Good job, Rand. You get a Polos. All right, let's get into something next. It's a little bit uh, contentious, as you would imagine. The Brett Kavanaugh hearings are done we now have moved on to he's just a Supreme Court justice. And, you know, I, I got to be honest, not that I want to talk about Brett Kavanaugh anymore because I talked about him so, so many times. But now that that push is gone, where's the rest of the outrage? We had all these people on the left standing up and saying that this man is a rapist and how we couldn't excuse this. And that's the worst thing that could ever happen. And blah, blah, blah. I, now what? And I, I got to ask this because is it something where they're simply saying, all right, well, we're going to move on to the next thing now. What's next on the agenda to try to uh, attack the GOP or or try to you know work for the midterms? Because I think they've come to realize that this issue, while being insanely divisive, didn't actually help them in regards to winning anybody over. You know, I talked about the stats on independents, progressives, GOP, and it basically broke down to. 90% of the GOP believed him, 90 percent of the Democrats believed her, you know, independents they were unswayed either way and I think a lot of them actually thought that this whole thing was a spectacle that was pretty disgusting. So, maybe that's why we're not seeing the uh, the George Soros backed mobs go and uh, continue their their uh, lunacy tour, banging on the Supreme Court doors. I think that was kind of footage that was used very effectively by the GOP in their, uh, you know, in unhinged mob advertisement, if you guys saw that. Incredibly effective ad. Basically putting together the calls for violence, such as what I just talked about, from the left, from Nancy Pelosi, from Cory Booker, from Kamala Harris. Pairing that with footage of these mobs, these people chasing people out of restaurants and banging on the Supreme Court doors. So it's interesting to see that We've just moved on. Now that the Democrats have realized it's a losing proposition, they don't give a shit anymore. Amazing that, huh? Really fascinating. But anyway, Rand Paul backed Kavanaugh despite having some very serious concerns about the Fourth Amendment. And that is something that, you know... like I was saying, I like to see Rand Paul push back against Trump. I like to see at the same level, I do like to see him cozying up to Trump often because I feel like he is a voice of reason. And if he's going to say to Trump, no, I'm not going to back this, then Trump actually stands up and says, okay, you know what? Maybe I'm going too far here. If Rand isn't with me, who he's become fairly close with, I guess the guys play golf. <laughs> uh, I don't know if he's had him to Mar-a-Lago yet for a, for a cocaine uh, party off of Melania's ass, but Who knows? But here's what Rand Paul had to say about Kavanaugh. He says, I'm honestly undecided. This is before the vote, obviously. He said he was undecided. I'm very concerned about his position on privacy in the Fourth Amendment. And this was back on July 30th. The problem is that Rand then went on to back Kavanaugh despite the fact that he had these concerns. Now, this may have been pushed forward because of his concerns with due process. Maybe it was pushed forward because he didn't want to outwardly oppose Trump in regards to this. Or maybe it just came down to the fact that he wanted to make sure that a conservative justice didn't get stymied before the midterms. That may have been all it came down to, if we're being perfectly honest. They did the vote. He said, okay, if we wait, if I'm the if I'm the vote that's gonna that's gonna stymie this, then number one, I'm gonna lose Trump as an ally. I'm also gonna anger the entire GOP base. And it also risked being pushed through to the after the midterms. And then the Democrats may have a chance to put in their own justice or kibosh anybody. Right, they, they can't put their own in, but they could kibosh anybody that Trump puts forward that's on the conservative side because they will now control that, the Senate. Meanwhile, as I said, and I continue to believe, I actually think Republicans are going to make gains because of the actions of the Democrats. So maybe we'll talk about that in, uh, degenerate gamblers. Take some bets on it. So long story short. Despite his concerns about the the uh, domestic spying issues, despite the fact that Kavanaugh consistently sides with executive actions and executive powers, and is pushing to give more power to the executive uh, position in this country, including you know having drone strikes, including having wiretapping, all this other bullshit. He's still back Kavanaugh, and while I can understand his reasoning from a libertarian standpoint, this is absolutely nothing but a minus. <laughs> Get out of here! Exactly. Exactly what Kavanaugh heard a million times. All right, let's move on to talking about Yemen. Now, interestingly, uh, Rand Paul had put forward a bill, and this was targeted specifically at blocking the billions in U.S. taxpayer dollars that are going from our coffers to the Afghan military and police. Of course, during the longest ongoing American war ever, they get sucked what is it at least eighteen or nineteen years, and Afghan security forces got from the United States last year alone, or I'm sorry, not last year alone, but in two thousand and nine is slated to get four point nine billion dollars for equipment, training, supplies, et cetera, et etc. Now, the problem is that a lot of these this money is going to support forces that are mm, let's just say, to put it mildly, fucking children, you know. Sometimes they just go out and they like to uh, to fuck kids. Like, for example, Special Army Forces uh, Captain Dan Quinn, he went and beat up an Afghan commander who was keeping a 10-year-old boy chained to his bed as a sex slave. And every time the mom tried to come and get the boy, he would beat the shit out of her. So guess what happened to Dan Quinn when he brought this up and said, hey, you know, I beat the crap out of this guy for damn good reason, because, you know, he's raping children. Well... He was relieved of command. Because that's America. Yo, Joe! He'll fight for freedom wherever there's money. G.I. Joe is there. G.I. Joe. Real American quagmire. G.I. Joe was there. It's G.I. Joe against Afghan pedos who want to suck kid dicks. He never gives up until he gets fired. Kid rape is second to politics. G.I. Joe! G.I. Joe was there. You do not want to know how long it took me to record that. And try to sync those, try to get that chorus going, the harmonizing with my own voice, and try to time it all these different tracks. Son of a fucking bitch. Do I love you people? Yes. That's how much I would spend an hour recording a show about G.I. Joe trying to stop pedophiles in Afghanistan. That's how I love you. Who loves you? Me. All right, moving on. So, anyway, <laughs> Rand Paul tries to stop this shit from happening. And of course, What do you think happened when Rand said, hey, maybe we shouldn't be supporting Afghan uh, commanders who were fucking children? Well, it got shot down. Yeah, I know. Big surprise. So he put an amendment in that would say no Afghan entity is allowed to receive funds from the U.S. until the Special special inspector general, say that five times fast, special inspector general, special inspector general, verifies that there are no child soldiers or sex slave or commonly known as Bakabazi. So now you learned something today, guys. And if you ever go to Afghanistan, you want a sex slave, just as for Bakabazi, being utilized by any individual or unit within the department. Of course, though, Chairman Bob Corker, who leads the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, he said that, uh, you know, he's fine with it. He and ranking member Bob Menendez, Corker's out of Tennessee. Menendez is a Democrat out of New Jersey. You got love these anti-war Democrats that are for uh, child rape, right? Well, he said they had major concerns, Corker especially. says, While I enthusiastically support the spirit of Senator Paul's amendment and understand what he's trying to do, I have major concerns with the approach his amendment takes. It would guarantee the withdrawal of U.S. support for Afghanistan. Oh, no. Oh, no. What a horrible thing. But he says this by setting unachievable standards requiring verification unachievable standards? How hard is it to know if there are people being used as sex slaves If children are chained to people's bunks in these units? It seems like it'd be fairly easy. You go around and we got troops there. We've had troops there for 20 fucking years. How about you have some of these troops go in and take a look inside people's rooms and say, Hey, you know, just because you guys have had child sex slaves and we're giving you all this money, we're going to take a little peek. You know, we're not going to tell you when. It's going to be kind of like a UN nuke inspection thing. We're just going to pop in, make sure there's no uh, snooky nuking going on with these bakabazis. Cool? Cool. Because otherwise we'll pull the $5 billion out. So, Scorker, I mean, talk about a piece of shit to back this and be like, well, we can't do that because stopping child rape, that's just too much. We'd have to pull out of the whole region. Yeah, fine. And yes, guys, I do acknowledge the fact that if the U.S. pulls out of the region, probably there's going to be even more child sex slavery, but I'd rather have just a region that is cool with having child sex slaves just be off on its own, fucking each other up, and, uh, and off in their own little zone there, than have the U.S. funding the people that have the child sex slaves. You feel me? Good. So anyway, Rand, good job on this. You get a Paula's. <laughs> All right. And the last one on the same note as trying to stop military aid to Afghanistan, Rand has also used the killing of Jamal Khashoggi, the journalist, uh, former Saudi journalist who was murdered and then dismembered in the Saudi consulate. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit more more about that later because it, as tragic as it is, it's also got some very, very funny aspects to it. Like most things in life, guys, tragedy breeds comedy. But. Rand has been very, very outspoken in uh, feuding with Donald Trump and feuding with everybody else about arming the Saudis. He's written some op-eds. He wrote an op-ed for uh, Defense One talking about stopping military aid to Saudi Arabia, talking about that was tied in with the ongoing genocide we are supporting in Yemen. Now, of course, writing for Defense One, that's going to fall on deaf ears. You're talking to the military industrial complex, right? And while I appreciate the fact that you do need, like we always say, you know, presidents, we need to talk to our enemies. For us libertarians talking to the military-industrial complex, and I don't consider Rand Paul us libertarians, by the way. I'm talking about you and me, friend. Kissing the mic for you. But for us, talking to the military-industrial complex would pretty much be talking to our enemies. So I understand why he's saying, okay, I'm going to address this at the military-industrial complex. They could give two flying shits. That much I know. But he's everywhere else. He's ready for time. He's writing, He's outspoken on talk shows. He's outspoken in open letters. He said that the Saudis are not our friends. Stop out him. Which again, what, they not they aren't our friends. What exactly do they do for us other than provide some oil? And honestly, opening up and deregulating fracking has made Saudi Arabia basically worthless to us. What do we need it for? We've got all the oil we need right here. We've got 70, 90, 100 years worth of reserves that we're not even using that are just sitting there. And on top of that, we're producing more oil than we ever have. We're producing more oil than half the countries out there. And these motherfuckers literally are sponsors of terror. We are backing, we're fighting a war on terror while backing a war on terror, backing terrorists. It's like a cyclical, self-fulfilling prophecy. Attack us on 9-11, support terror all over the world. And meanwhile, they're still throwing gays off buildings, murdering them. They just gave women the right to drive. whoopee cuptie. So, yeah, you know what? Good job, Rand, on stepping up and saying we need to knock this off and taking a very prominent position to tell people we don't need to be arming this. We don't need to supporting these wars anymore. What good are these quote-unquote friends to us when all they're doing is using U.S. backing, U.S. money, taxpayer dollars to commit genocide? Just, ah, God. I mean, you'd think this would be something that more people would actually be standing up for, but I think it's like even maybe five, ten other people. Everybody else is content to sit back, get the checks, make sure that, you know, midterm's coming up, everybody. Got to make sure you got that military-industrial complex money coming in. And, you know, and I'll give Rand credit, too, because I gave Rand Paul a while ago a minus because of his stance backing. uh, I think it was Raytheon builds a lot of missiles in Kentucky. And he was pushing for more funding to have, you know, tax breaks for Kentucky and Raytheon, which sure, Rand, I get it. You're trying to keep uh, the industry going in your in your little area. But hey, pork barrel politics and fucking exemptions for your little buddies. It's the same thing. So shame on you for that. But on that same note, I do applaud his standing up to the, uh, the complex on this and writing that Defense One article, knowing that a lot of his backers, a lot of his constituents probably work at missile factories in Kentucky. So you know, for one of the few voices of reason, again, we give him a lot of shit. But I mean, I don't see anybody else prominently standing up against this, vocally calling for this, while feuding with Trump, uh, I guess, in a a friendly fashion. So, good job, Rand Paulus effect. (laughs) (laughs) All right, that's gonna do it for this edition of Rand Pauluses and Minuses. We don't rise to the level of our expectations. We fall to the level of our training. Those epic words from Archilochus can sum up your ability to succeed or fail in business. I want to recommend Conversation Mat Time to our listeners as a way to hone your one-on-one conversation skills in a role-playing session that can help take you to the next level. During 25-minute sessions, you'll work through the best way to approach that raise, that interview, or that relationship with a practice professional that will provide the confidence and experience you need to get paid what you're worth or take that interpersonal risk you've never been able to conquer. Just like in jujitsu, the difference between a novice and a black belt is mat time. Train to win. Visit conversationmattime.com and take advantage of a free 15 15-minute consultation just for listeners of this show. All right, welcome back to Electric Liberty Land, everybody. Episode number 95, meaning you can find all the show notes at lionsofliberty.com forward slash ELL95. My voice is a little tired from uh, Rand and singing and singing that damn G.I. Joe song. Better have been worth it, people. I better get some nice tweets from you. All right, so let's talk... I talked about this Khashoggi thing, and the way this has played out has just been absolutely ridiculous. I mean, we've got... Clear evidence as I talked with Roger Paxton on last episode, talking about how the U.S. intelligence community knew that this man was going to be taken. <laughs> Khashoggi, you're going to be taken. Uh, so, anyway, you know, send Liam Neeson back to the guy, but they didn't. They basically sat back, they didn't tell anybody. And sure as shit, the guy gets taken, taken back to the Saudi consulate, and uh, summarily, was chopped up in little pieces. And there's some seven minutes of audio that was recorded of this man being dismembered. And they said that while he's still alive, still conscious, they cut off his fingers, they cut off his... I mean, just... I, I'm not going to go into the details so It was truly atrocious. The acts of barbarians. And these are the people that we say are our friends. People who could do acts like this. You know, for all the women that you want to put behind the steering wheel, you know, a lot of that could be undone by kidnapping people, cutting off their goddamn limbs while they're still alive because they are critical of your regime. And he wasn't even that critical, this journalist. So it's just unbelievable. So then, of course, the Saudi Arabians lie about it. They say that they don't have him. They say that they didn't take him. They say, oh, he's, he's missing. He's just missing out there. You know, we don't know where he is. And sure as shit, another report comes out that they end up finding the chopped up body parts of Khashoggi in the Saudi Arabian embassy garden. Actually, let me correct that. Not the embassy garden, in the Saudi Arabian consul general's garden. (laughs) They chop this guy up. They deny that they took him. They deny that he's dead. Then they bury him in the consul general's garden. I mean, these are, first off, how stupid are these people? That's where you're going to put them. You don't think anybody's going to look there? You don't think seeing that fresh flower bed with uh, the, what do they call those? Khashoggi blooms coming out of there? You don't think anybody's going to be suspicious about that? And then, here's the cherry on the top, though. The funniest part of this whole thing is that they then say, they then say, oh, no, we don't we don't know where he is. We don't know who he is or what, where he went. And so then we find footage comes out. Of a body double that they found for Khashoggi. And its I think it's like one of the interrogators actually kind of looked like the guy. Uh, The man is Mustafa al-Mudani, a member of the 15-man Saudi hit team. So he walks out wearing Khashoggi's clothing and wearing his glasses with his beard dyed to kind of look like him. I mean, he doesn't look that much like him. He's kind of got some semblance looking like him. But it's like... Are are we in a cartoon? Are we in an Indiana Jones where you know, like you bonk the the guard on the head and you take his clothes and nobody's the wiser? Like what? Please, somebody play the Betty Hill music over this shit. And these are our allies. These are the people that we are funding. These are the people that we back in their war against. You know, maybe when you see the 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 kind of actions here, the kind of thought processes, the kind of wearing their clothes. Hey, well, I have an idea. Uh, hey, Mustafa, Mustafa, come here. You look kind of like this man, Khashoggi, and we're getting a lot of heat over Khashoggi. Maybe you should put his clothes on you, walk around a bit. Maybe go down, get a falafel, huh? You get a falafel, you come back, you wear his clothes. People say, hey, look at this Khashoggi, he's not dead, he's eating a falafel right here on camera. Can you see, fa- can you see, fa- Khashoggi eating a falafel? You dare to question Saudi Arabia, I was eating falafels yesterday, eating falafels today. Look, watch here, In, give me a minute. Okay, ready? He's going to walk out of the consulate building, uh, eating up a falafel in uh, about 30 seconds. <laughs> Another minute. Sorry, I had to check. something. Yes, uh, right. give me a fucking break. So uh, just absurd. And now we're seeing we're seeing certain people actually call to end the relationship with Saudi Arabia, to stop backing them, to to ban weapon sales to them. You'd think that'd be a good idea. Trump still isn't banking uh, that standpoint. He says that the people responsible are going to be found out. Now, I mean, you're, it's the Saudi prince, obviously. Now, they are saying the the, the former king, king whatever, Salama bin Baba, but whatever the fuck his name is. He says he's now looking into appointing a different prince, which I didn't even realize there were any other princes alive. I thought the current Saudi prince had killed them all off, uh, as we discussed in several shows you know, a year ago or whatever it was. And... Trump, though, is like, oh, we're going to find out who's responsible. I mean, if you're the Saudis, aren't you just going to like, OK, well, it was, you know, these people that uh, I didn't know they were going to do this and yada. I mean, there's going to be a lot of tap dancing just to cover their asses because that's the thing that makes the most sense. Why would you go through all the trouble of doing these idiotic lies and these little parlor tricks and having people play dress up? I mean, it's like Monty Python. Why is he playing dress up? Just say that you didn't know it was going to happen. Lie your way out of it that way. Give, give Trump some plausible shit to work with, at least. It shows these people are absolute idiots. So we'll see what happens with that because it's just at this point, I still think that relationship's going to go forward and uh, and there's not going to be a hitch in it. Trump touched the orb. The orb's magical powers have convinced him to keep on going, keep on giving weapon sales to them. And unless Congress actually gets the goddamn balls to act, which we know they won't, then this shit's just going to keep going as is. By the way, I just realized that my mic cord was hitting against a fucking mic stand. So apologies if there's a little bit of annoying tap that was ongoing there. Okay, anyway, next story. So we've also been accurately assessed that the Democratic Party has identified, well, identified identity politics as the driving factor with which it can keep power. Because it's bleeding away white America as the people that were the poor that used to vote for Democrats see that it's not actually in their best interest to keep voting for higher taxes, to keep voting for social policies that force white people uh, into positions wherein they can't compete for similar jobs because of diversity initiatives, where we see emphasis on uh, the corners of the country rather than the flyover states and seeming complete uh, irreverence over whether or not to address those issues. So... As we see white people leave the Democratic Party, the exceptions of the uh, the liberals on the coast, as I've said, and we see black people get peeled away by people like Kanye, who are waking them up to the fact that the welfare state isn't a good thing, waking them up to the fact that Democrats profess to want social justice, yet do absolutely nothing to address the criminal justice system, could care less about the war on drugs and are doing nothing to identify or or conquer that issue. And meanwhile, also we see that Hispanics are are edging away from the Democrats as well. So they say to themselves, okay, and again, it's usually not, probably not first-generation Hispanics necessarily. <clears throat> Pardon me. So we see the, the Democrats identify what they need to target as far as keeping power, and that is to maintain the stranglehold on black America, thus calling Kanye mentally unstable, calling everybody a racist, trying to, uh, to split people apart so that they don't talk, and they don't identify issues or commonalities between the two of them. And, of course, by shipping in votes by virtue of addressing immigrants and trying to win over immigrant populations, trying to move the goalposts as far as who is actually eligible to vote, trying to get rid of the need for IDs and all that sort of thing, so that they get the advantage from people that come to this country and want to get a big old piece of that welfare state. While having all of their services paid for, the schools paid for, their medical paid for, everything else, faux free from big papa government, much to the detriment of the rest of us. And that has become a stone cold fact, not just a uh, an accusation from people like me, when we see what's going on in Texas, where the Democratic Party sent out mailers asking non citizens, immigrants that they knew were not legal to vote or to, to register to vote. And they said it just to these immigrants. So it's not like they said it to everybody like, oh, we're just trying to get out the vote. Yeehaw. No, they said it specifically to fucking immigrants with a pre-checked box that says that they were citizens. And this has been filed. It's now going to the court, and uh, we'll see what happens because it certainly seems like this is one of the shadiest things I've ever seen in my life, and they're certainly trying to push forward people that are not legally eligible to vote and try to game the system by sending in all sorts of these ballots that are pre-checked, and they'll probably slip through. I mean, maybe not all of them, but I don't know what the... I mean, knowing the government as I do... As a bunch of backwards dickheads who couldn't get the fucking shit out of their way if they had 17 plows and uh, 45 different people helping them, I don't expect them to go through and actually check everybody's citizenship and make sure everything's on the up and up and be able to handle anything of that sort of nature, especially when you've got a huge push like this Texas Democratic Party is doing to get immigrants signed up. So what's going to happen? Well, you're going to get all sorts of immigrants on the rolls. And guess what? They're all going to fucking vote Democrat. So we're seeing pure fraud by the Democratic Party here in trying to outcome or try to affect the outcome of the upcoming midterm election by virtue of completely illegal votes. I mean, this is on par with signing up dead people and voting. If they're illegal, they're illegal. They're not allowed to vote. This is the worry. This is why people question the open borders, because if you have open borders and you have a welfare state like we do, when you have open borders and you can have people that have come in in mass that can actively vote. No problem without having to be legal citizens, without having to be, uh, possessing any sort of citizenship or any sort of residence or any sort of time and spent in the country of in the community, even in a voluntary community, you can have them come in, change the entire political scene by virtue of just coming in and in mass waves and pushing it through. And that is what they're fucking trying to do here. It's absolutely despicable. You know, I know Roger is a fan of open borders, like we were talking about last week, but this is where I do differ with him on this topic because I don't see a way that we could have open borders under the current system. And we're seeing how this affects it right here. We're seeing the Democratic Party identify where the weak point is in the system and attack it by virtue of this horseshit mailer with a pre-checked box for citizenship, basically encouraging these illegals to lie, which, by the way, if you're the Democratic Party, You say you're fighting for immigrants. You say you're fighting for the under, you know, the man on the street, the underclass you are trying to help them rise up. Doesn't it seem a little bit suspicious that you don't give a shit about the legal ramifications of asking people to lie to the federal government and get illegal uh, status on voter rolls? Because I'm sure there's a penalty on that. And I'm sure if you're an illegal, I'm sure if you're a non-citizen, that there's got to be something that's going to come up and bite you in the ass if they find out that you've been lying and that you're voting illegally. Like maybe ICE comes to your house. Like maybe INS decides to question your visa. I mean, talk about saying one thing and doing the other, because clearly they could give two flying fucks about these immigrants if they're willing to use them, if they're willing to put their lives on the line, the lives of their children, their livelihood, and their status in this country on the line to get a few extra fucking votes in the midterms. Absolutely disgusting. All right, next story up, just in time for Halloween, guys. Truly horrific. So this story comes from Free Thought Project. One of the sources for information, for news, some of which may have been questionable, but much of which was not. And it's basically a site that polices the police, as they say, lost its Facebook status, was deplatformed. uh, I mean, uh, just heartbreakingly, heartbreakingly. And it's because of stories like this. So in Chicago guy named Ricky Hayes was walking down the street. He's developmentally disabled. He has autism in the cognitive level of a child. And as you know, people with autism often have difficulty communicating. They don't understand social norms. They don't necessarily know what's going on like a normal person would do. So walking down the street, this kid got lost, right? He's lost in the neighborhood. He's running down the street, kind of skipping. This is what people say. He's skipping down the street as a child would. And the uh, Chicago cop, Sergeant Khalil Muhammad, pulls up and literally drive-by shoots this kid and fucking lies about it. So here's how the story rolls out. Ricky Hayes got out of his house that night, didn't know where he was, he was lost. His behavior seemed odd to the untrained officer, which is why we talk about officer training and the lack thereof. Well, here's another example. And this guy was a sergeant, right? A sergeant. How do you not have any training in how to handle people with autism? How do you not have any training in de- identifying whether somebody's a danger or not, knowing what people might have as far as indicators if they're not quite there mentally? So anyway, Hayes, this this kid, Ricky Hayes, he stops in front of a house, stands there for a minute, and... Sergeant Muhammad comes up in an armed, unmarked vehicle, by the way. So even if Ricky had known, you know, he probably over the years, his parents probably said, hey, these are police. They probably told him they could trust the police foolishly. But if they said, look, this is what a police car looks like. If a policeman says something to you or tells you to do something, you should listen to them. This motherfucker comes up in an unmarked vehicle. And when this kid starts to slowly move again, and the cop doesn't even say anything to him, by the way. Doesn't even address him. When Hayes starts to walk again, the guy just opens fire from inside his truck and tries to kill him. Then he calls 911 afterwards. Doesn't call 911 ahead of time. Doesn't report it in. Doesn't doesn't stop and question the kid. Nope. Just decides, I'm going to shoot first, ask questions, and report later. You have got to watch this video. Thank God. You know, we talk about ring. I've got a ring on my house, and I love it. Great for security, right? Great if, I, if Amazon says a, a package was delivered and I can say, hey, Amazon, stick it up your ass. I know you're lying. But thank God this is basically this video didn't come from this man's dash cam because he's in a car. He's just in his own truck, which I just love a cops can just drive down the street fucking shooting people from their own goddamn cars for no reason. But anyway, this is from someone's porch. It's from a ring on their porch, a surveillance video. That's how we got this. Thank God for ring. And know I've seen more than one video about this too. This is where people are piecing together and showing these police horribly abusing their power and then lying about it. So thank God we see this kid who lived. He got shot, but thank God is not dead. He was able to run away. Then the ambulance comes and, and it's all right. But this motherfucker, this motherfucker, is indicative of how police feel, how they'll cover their tracks. And look, I'm not saying it's all cops because I know that's not the case. I know there's a lot of good cops out there, but I know there's a lot of bad cops out there too. And when we've got situations like this where for so long, these police could just lie and cover shit up and they would have these these internal investigations, which would of course cover it up for them because they don't want to have the police department look bad, especially not in Chicago where they've got murder rates sky high. So you know what would have happened without this video. You know that that story, that lie about the kid coming up, looking like he was drawing a gun and approaching his truck so he had to, what, defend himself, you know it would have held up, especially against a kid with autism. How's he going to tell his story? Kid barely knows what's going on. You got to watch this video. You'd think what I'm describing would be longer? You'd think maybe he had stopped in front of this house for 10 minutes, you know, creepily staring inside or something like this. No. Kid stopped. He's walking down the street, sees a truck coming his way. He stands still for about five seconds and then starts to walk again. And this guy just shoots him. You got to watch him. So rest in peace, free thought project on Facebook. Thank God you still exist in website form and they haven't deplatformed you on there because you are doing great work and uh, we need more reporting like this. All right, I'm going to do one more story and then we'll wrap it up. Blend it on a little bit more of a high note, a little funny note. So a story from the Washington Times talks about uh, a Colorado middle school career day where they had a professional drag queen come in whose name was Jessica Lahore. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's something where, you know, obviously the parents were outraged about this, this drag queen coming for, uh, for career day. And really, I, you know, I'm not that upset about it. I, uh, I think it's something where, look, people have alternative lifestyles. Of course, if you want to have a cross dresser, if you want to have a, uh, a drag queen come in and and she's a professional and she does a show, well, you know, she's an entertainer, man. That's a career. That's a legitimate career. Then she should be able to come in. I can understand why the parents were a little bit surprised. And, uh, and would have wanted to have been told ahead of time. But at the same time, look, you know, it's not going to turn your kid gay <laughs> to, have, to have a drag queen come into their school and, uh, and read them a chapter from a Susie Klein book. She read from Horrible Harry and talked about bullying at this career day event at uh, Rocky Top Middle School. But, you know, he introduced himself. He says, Mrs. Jessica, because he didn't think the last name was appropriate. So he didn't even go in there and say his last name Lahore. This came out afterwards, so you know this is this is part parents completely overreacting, uh, and you can see a little bit of you know obviously these these parents were uh, a little bit concerned, a little bit adverse, probably a little bit uh, homophobic if we're being perfectly honest. But I get it, I get it. It's a, it's a mature topic. You know, you might want to have a discussion at home before you have somebody completely dressed decked out in drag come in and be like, "I tucked my junk." and then a wag my trunk. But on the other hand, here's, here's my issue with this is that when you've got the principal or whoever organized this thing, having this guy come in and, and he's not a parent of a kid. You know, I always thought career days, typically a parent of kids, but maybe you just have people coming in from fire departments or whatever else. But, uh, the disexposed person said that, you know, this was, this was an appearance of, of diversity. You know, we want to have somebody come in and showcase the diverse nature of backgrounds and com- careers in the community And to me, that seems a little bit odd, a little bit disingenuous. It seems more than anything like you're signaling out a career that would be populated by, what, one, two hundredth of the the population? Not even, probably that's even an exaggeration or an under-exaggeration. Probably one in every 200,000 people, one in every two million people. I don't know. I don't know how many professional drag queens there are, though. I mean, I know that the percentage of people that are, in fact, Drag queens that are, in fact, uh, transgender ain't very high. So to have this person to say, oh, now we have to have a professional drag queen come in to represent this career just smacks of social, you know, social policy, putting that in in basically far advancing that over what you should be doing in a school. You know, your your job to the children will be to represent reasonable careers uh, that would present them with options for what they want to do with their lives. I mean, that is the purpose of career day. It's not to push a social agenda and get a drag queen in there because you want to show everybody that you're totally cool with transgenders and you want to make a social statement because you're just a dickhead. And that's what it seems like to me. So, hey, shame on both sides. Shame on the parents for overreacting. Shame on the school for for trying to put forth this, this kind of social justice bullshit at the expense of what the career day should stand for. Eh, at the end of the day, I got a chuckle out of it. So, <laughs> Jessica Lahore, I salute you. And I salute all of you listeners to Electric Liberty Land. Thanks for tuning in today. I'm going to curtail this. Like I said, my goddamn G.I. Joe song, man. Killed my throat. So we're going to wrap it here about 45 minutes in. But before we go, guys, want to remind you, we do our show Mondays. Mark Claire headlining the Flagship program. He just had on a really uh, a really great guest this past week, by the way, or I say this past Monday, that I highly encourage you to uh, to check out. He is a uh, a New York University professor, transitioned from being a Marxist uh, leftist who was called out for he took basically took opposition to the social justice warrior culture that was taking place on NYU campus and was summarily cast out by his. Uh, colleagues cast out by his administrators and put in a virtual gulag, as he says, for speaking his beliefs. So now he's coming around to libertarianism. So check that out. You will find it a very, very interesting. It's Michael Rechtenwald, and that was on this past Monday's Lions, of Liberty show, and also Felony Friday with John Odermatt. You got it. I mean, these are back to back amazing shows. Judy Henderson's story from last week: this woman spent 36 years in prison for a murder murder she didn't commit you have got to listen because it is riveting audio. So check that out as well, guys. Anyway, that's going to do it. So for me, Brian McWilliams from the Lions of Liberty and from Electric Liberty Land, always stay plugged into Liberty.